And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Head Podcast. Two Steps Head Podcast, highlighting the stuff we've stepped in so you don't have to. Hey, so if you were with us last time, you were at the beach with us, yes. at least in spirit. Now it's backyard barbecue. <laughs> we've got some steaks, some hamburgers, some hot dogs on the grill. Come out and join us. That sounds so good right now, honestly. <laughs> oh, they're not on the grill? <laughs> Oh, hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. We'll see you next time. No, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but we're here at the uh, the Backyard Barbecue, the virtual Backyard Barbecue. I'm yes. Son Edom alongside Tara Hoke Shiro, somebody who is completely, completely immersed in the Halloween spirit. Hey, guys. How are you? Welcome back. Like your dress. The Do you like my dress, the pumpkin dress? Yeah, they kind of scare me, though. This is a 1950s vintage virgin dress. Really? It is. What's I don't that? know if you know what's no that. Idea. What's that? I have no idea. <laughs> the style is like the dresses that they wore in the 1950s. Is this something that nowadays would be considered something from Grandma's attic? Um, you know how possibly. Keep coming back. Yep, yep, yep. This is from actually. This is from a place called Unique Vintage, one of my favorite stores. But um, yes, the style is very much oh, 1950s. Very so it's sort of kind of my Halloween costume. Very Halloweenish. <laughs> um, I left mine at home, so there we go. There That's we why go. not. In spirit. Hey, so um, are you a pumpkin spice latte? Yes. Really? I I just got back from New York actually, and Ooh, every la. day um, while we were there, I had a pumpkin spice latte. I know we're still um, on Halloween weekend. And the holidays are coming up all together. But having been in New York, how early do they get ready for the holidays? Were there holiday things, decorations and stuff You know, I was really surprised that they don't, the city doesn't decorate Halloween like they do Christmas, obviously. But there were, you know, those big brownstone, like, Mm -hmm. apartment buildings with the, um, they had their porches decorated. So they had, like, pumpkins and they had the harvest, um whatever you call those brown harvest leaf things and the the um, orange leaves. lights and all that. Yeah, all kinds of decorations. Oh. So it's very autumn-esque. It was. Yeah. Nothing it was. like, uh, although I hear there's nothing like Christmas. There's nothing like Christmas at Rockefeller Center. Is true. that true? That is true. Have you been there? Not during Christmas, oh. but my daughter has yeah. um, for a couple of years. And she does, uh, we do FaceTime and she obviously you know, takes a lot of pictures. And yeah, it's unbelievable. Now, so Halloween yeah. is by far your favorite holiday. And no. that's because, <laughs> why don't you like Halloween? I hate Halloween. It is my worst why? holiday. Because I'm traumatized. From what? <laughs> Let me guess. You went trick-or-treating. And all you got, because you're wearing your 1950 vintage right. dress, so all you got were like raisins and apples and like healthy stuff. No. Oh. Actually, so I'm an 80s girl. I was in high school um, in the early, early, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. And that is right when the really great horror movies came out. And I was all about the horror movies at that time. So... I think Friday the 13th Part 1 actually came out during that um, decade. Halloween, the original Halloween. Um, um, What's the one with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street came out? So all of these really great like horror movies 
And it scared the crap out of me, especially, especially Halloween, the original right. Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, See, I, um, they it really just the idea of somebody standing outside of your window and watching you. It just scared the crap out of me. So I'm, I'm like, I hate haunted houses. I now when the kids were little, we decorated the front yard. We made like an, an um, Little Mermaid one time, The Wizard of Oz, and we de- we like decorated the garage door, painted the garage door. All the yard decorations. My husband built a ship. We did, you know, mermaid costumes. We went all out. So that part I'm I'm okay with. But the actual Halloween horror, I, it terrifies me, and I wish that it would go away. <laughs> See, I did um, the first time in a long time. So I never had a problem with Halloween. Like those movies, I just, in fact, you mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 2 I just recently saw. Yes. Um, and they're more cartoonish now mm-hmm. because you look back on them. Because you've got these psychological thrillers now and these like demonic yeah. spirit movies, yep. you know, that yep. make it more like, oh, okay. Even The Exorcist, which I've never seen, but even The Exorcist is cartoonish compared to some of the it is freaky horror movies. Yeah, that we have The now. Shining. The have Shining. you seen The Shining? Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh, that one is that one still freaks me out. See, um, Psycho, I love. Just watched Psycho last love night. Love the Psycho movies; yep, they're my favorite, it. actually. In fact, Psycho was actually as I was watching it because I've seen it a few times, but I was watching it. I'm like, this is actually a really boring movie. There's oh. like, there's like, well, there's like three. Which one? Which one were the, you watching? The first one, the black and white. Okay, the first one. It was in the '60s. Yeah, so there's there's three moments that are kind of like ooh, you know. And if you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it, <laughs> but you should watch it if you like those type of things and you haven't. But after you've seen them a while, after you get those couple of like moments where you've like, oh, okay, the the surprise, you know, the yeah. Alfred Hitchcock style surprise comes at you, then it's just like a slow, you know, drama of people. Mm-hmm. Having dialogue. They get scarier as the decades yes. move on. Now, see, now when I took my um, English major, I got my master's in English, one of the classes I took was uh, a horror film genre oh, class. Oh, no way. And so we had to start watching films. So the first one we saw was in the 1920s, the vampire movie, Nosferatu. And then we moved to the 30s, and it was uh, Frankenstein. And then you'd go, I don't know if there was one in the 40s, but the 50s was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yes, that's such yes. a great movie. And then we'd go through, and then the 70s was the Halloween. The Blob, did you watch The Blob? The Blob was not a part of it. Okay. But I've seen it. That was a scary movie. And then um, in the 80s, of course, you had, I think Scream yes. was one. And then I forget from there. So we had to watch the genres throughout the decades. And so it's pretty interesting to see how mellow some of the movies were like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You think it's something like, you know, scary. But really what it was is these pods were just basically taking people Mm -hmm. and making them think like-minded. Right, right. You know, in fact, they might have been the original (laughs) social media because they made everybody conform That's right. to something. That is correct. But, but you, see, you think about it, and then like Frankenstein. Frankenstein uh, was a movie that people think, oh, a scary monster, but it really wasn't about the horror or the scary mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. It was more about Frankenstein's uh, adapting to now life, basically, on the outside and what right. he sees and stuff. And But because he looks a certain way, he's now a monster. And in fact, it was I think it was Anne Radcliffe. She wrote something that was the difference between horror and terror and horror is the actual monster that you see oh he's scary i'm scared terror is the monster under the bed or in the closet that you don't see oh see that just freaks me yes. out yeah it's, it's, i can't it's the it's the terror yeah that is the unseen that is gets you going yep. if you if you know what the boogeyman looks like he's not as terrifying right. he might still be scary 
but he's not terrified. That's why I was so scared because we had like when I've lived in high school, we lived in this house that had a bunch of really big trees. So of course, one night I I was uh, on the gymnastics team for a couple of years in high school, and we had a, a meet, a gymnastics meet on Halloween night. And so by the time the meet was over, and I got dropped off, you know, by my friends, um, trick or treat was over. So it was dark. The wind was blowing. Which was like, and so all the tree, just like on the movie Halloween, and I'm like, I don't want to walk in my house, and I'm like looking out, like who's behind the bush? Like you don't know, right? You don't know who's watching you. You don't know who's behind the bush. That it just really traumatized me. You know the uh, Michael Myers house is in South Pasadena. I did not know that. Yes, it's in South Pasadena, and so if you want to take a tour of it, oh, it's down South Pasadena. So some of those things are still. Still around that you can kind of see because it became. No, I such, probably would go. It became yeah, such a landmark for South Pasadena, and South Pasadena has a lot of movies and TVs and commercial shot in the area. Yeah, like uh, Back to the Future, for example. Right. Uh, the mom's house when he falls out of the tree. Okay. From Spine, that's in South Pasadena and stuff like that. So it was an iconic movie at in, a, in a, such a small town at the time. So they saved it. They moved it, but they, they preserved it. And so you can actually go see the exterior of Michael Myers' house. So there. nobody lives in the house right I now? I think it's actually, to be honest, the last time I was down there, I thought it was like a dental office or something. Oh, wow. But maybe that was next to it and the sign yeah. was just out front. I'm not sure. But it's by the train tracks. I would there, go. So. Yeah, I yeah, would, I would go see seeing. it. But it, yeah, it really does like freak me out. But as far as the uh, other movies, it just depends on... But you, So you won't see anything. See, I remember the first, one of the first scary movies I saw, and then we're going to actually get to the point of our... our topic of conversation but one of the the first scary movies i saw was uh seventh grade and i was invited to a halloween party and it turned out to be just four of us me and uh, a girl i liked who liked me and then her friend and my friend who liked each other so it turned to be the the four of us okay so we decided to watch creep show okay (laughs) i don't know if you've seen the original creep show but it's it can be entertaining more than anything um, because of the short stories that are in there. And, and, and it's really these individual short stories that you watch and how they turn out. So it's kind of kind of fascinating. But that was the first one I saw, and it was conveniently watched, so that way the girls would get scared. You know, and, then <laughs> and then they would have, have to, yes, to exactly. like, yes. But, uh, but that was the first you. one, and that kind of got me hooked <laughs> because I was like, wow, this is interesting because it wasn't the, the horror like I thought it would be, you know, it wasn't the like, ooh, this is scary. Because I went to a haunted house as a kid, and yeah, that was kind of scary. But it wasn't that scary that I thought it would be, and mm-hmm. then I started watching them, and so I've seen, you know. Now, do you go to the, like, Universal Studios I haunted did horror in, nights? I uh, did last year, so uh, 2019 I went. So you like that kind of stuff? Well, here's the thing. So I had gone to, in high school and early college, I'd gone to Not Scary Farm many times. Yes. And that's fun, okay? And But see, that's a difference because... All they're doing there is popping out and startling you. But that scares the pants out of yeah, you. Like but, but that see, doesn't bother you. But but that's but it's not scary from the standpoint of like, oh my gosh, I'm scared. It's like the natural body's natural reflex to something jumping at you. Right. Because that's what they do. They pop out. So if I'm just walking down, I see all these zombie people. No, I'm not scared. If they pop out from behind something, I might jump because that's my natural, you know fight or flight reflex right? right and that's what those things are and so i think for me it doesn't scare me but yeah i might jump because if someone pops out on me but i'm not scared so i went to universal 2019 last year and um i actually spent most of the time going on the rides because the lines were really short yeah <laughs> and so everybody could go to the back lot and get scared at the haunted houses yeah. 
And in fact, we went to one haunted house and I got whacked in the back of the head by somebody. Oh. And so I was like, I'm done. I'm going back to Homer Simpson, you know, the yeah, Simpson yeah. ride. But Jurassic Park and some of those rides, we got to go over and over and over again because everybody was on the back lot getting scared. And I'm like, hey, let's just do all the rides. Yeah. And so See, I would not did. even, yeah. So if you want to, although it's closed <laughs> this year, but if you ever want to just do the rides, then you could go on a Halloween haunt night and all the rides were open, especially if it's like a little bit earlier in October or something. There you go. That would be my kind of evening. Just ride the rides. Nobody popping out right. from, you know, weird places. But see, then it also depends, too, <laughs> because you've got people that will then post on social media their experiences. And so then you can have a variety right. of stuff as far as information to decide whether or not you want to go. Because True. the influence of social media, much like the pods <laughs> in the 1950s invasion of the Body Snatcher movie, they conform us Mind to Mind control. Yes, that's what it's about. Mind In control. fact, that's what we're going to talk about today is... The movie or the documentary, which if you haven't seen it, I don't like to recommend things, but you should see it. This it's is actually, one to recommend. Yeah, this is one you yeah. should recommend because it affects and All influences everybody. And it's uh, the, the Social Dilemma mm-hmm. is the documentary that we're going to talk about. And as you can see, we are in the backyard, literally, at the barbecue. <laughs> and we've got uh, Ginger with us, our official mascot. Yes, this is Ginger, 17 years old. So um, she's just roaming freely. Checking us out. Um and so, uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to discuss social media and we're going to use the, the documentary as a jumping off point. Now, it was, um, I think it was early 2019 when I interviewed a guy who did a documentary called Social Animals. And he followed the life of three, I guess they were high school aged kids. One was a, a black kid in New York who was like a tagger and he would do extreme social media posts. And a lot of it included things like trespassing and going places he shouldn't and doing extreme things that kind of endangered his life. Another one was a a gal who was uh, from the Midwest somewhere who, I think she was Oklahoma or something like that, just a mild-mannered girl who had uh, an experience on social media where she was bullied. And she um, got, um, you know, that horrible experience of trying suicide and stuff like that and how her experience was. And then there was another gal who was um, more affluent, I guess, and use social media to expand her brand. She wanted to be famous, you know, and all that. And so it showed all these three people uh, and how their experiences were and what they were like as they were going through their social media. And so one of them made the comment that she gave way too much time and too much power to social media. The other one, the gal that was using it for her brand, really didn't have any negative effects or anything to say because it worked for her. And then the guy who was the extreme tagger, extreme guy, you know, he was the one that first off, because of his race and who he was, he was kind of not targeted, but because he was kind of doing, um, you know, illegal activity, law breaking, you know, trespassing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a target for law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And so he knew he was going to end up going to jail if he ever got caught or he would probably end up dying because of the extreme. Like he would, they would uh, climb the, the construction towers on the top of these high-rises in New York and hang off right, of them, right, tag, right. and take pictures. Well, right. obviously, he could slip and fall and die. Yeah. So he realized that his extreme behavior was going to cost him his life, either through death or in jail. And so he was commenting on that. And, but he was influenced by people's encouragement of him doing it, the likes right. and stuff. So he was influenced to keep doing it. Then he realized that he can just do his art, his tagging, without the extreme. And then the girl who was bullied, you know, one of the things she said was um, when people would talk to her through messaging, booty pics, 
send mm, booty pics, you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, that type of thing. So she's always threatened, or not threatened, but pressured to send body pictures. And so this was in 2019 that this came out, and it influenced the three three individuals and the amount of pressure and peer pressure and influence that it had. And what was the name of that movie? Social Animals. Social was, Animals. Yeah, social okay. Animals. And so now you can kind of fast forward to the social experiment or the social dilemma, which is the current documentary. And you've got former tech people that mm-hmm. actually like the dude that has the Facebook like button that developed the like button. Like he's one of them. Early growth developers for these uh, platforms. You Instagram, know. Twitter, Facebook, Google. They're all the all the developers for all of the main platforms that we have today. And they, and they came out against very much against. Yeah social media as it is they were alarmed at what was going on and i guess one of the key things was that what they thought and intended for good Mm -hmm. they didn't really take time to consider the negative ramifications of it of what could come from it and that's what kind of caught them off guard right and so uh when you saw it and i've seen it twice i saw it a while ago and then i watched it again before we started taping um what did you think of it just kind of overall i guess yeah i've seen it twice as well um it was horrifying I think I think the blatant manipulation that is going on um, was really. I mean, I kind of knew anyway. It's like you know, a lot of that information has been out. Like, oh, they are manipulating you with notifications on your phone. They manipulate you with, um, and you know, advertising to get you, you know, to to do certain things they manipulate you with information like oh so-and-so replied to this you know post or somebody posted somebody tagged you so like there's a lot of but I didn't realize how deep the manipulation is on social well not just social media but on your I guess it's more of your device in general because um it's not just on the social media platform your phone is and all of these different networks are um collecting data on us and using it against us and so i think that was the most disturbing part is that they identify what triggers me personally what emotions i have what you know they pay attention to what i like what i search what i um how long we spend on a certain video or on a certain type of post and then they automatically start sending things Oh, if you like this one, here's another one just like it. And here's another one just like it. And so you shop for a blouse and all of a sudden your feed is filled with, look at all these blouses, you know, that you can, that you can purchase or political, more political or conspiracy theory, you know, more conspiracy, like whatever it is that you are interested in, they, they send you more of it and then they tailor your feed based on your my personal emotions my personal you know psychology and so it's like you know we're kind of powerless against that that's the most alarming part i think well here's a clip from the movie talking about exploiting the vulnerability and the human psychology yes all right so here's this and then we can uh, address it i mean it's exactly the kind of thing that a that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in in human psychology and i just i I think that we you know we the inventors creators you know and it's it's me it's mark it's the you know kevin system and instagram it's all of these people um understood this consciously and we did it anyway so here are the guys admitting that the people that started these social media platforms 
knew they were exploiting vulnerability in the human psyche, mm-hmm. and they went ahead and did it anyways. Yeah. And so like you were talking about, you know, to know that these people started something that was going to do that makes you kind of question their motives, their intentions. Now, some of them have come out against it now because that's, that's the, the documentary. They've, like, realized that, oh, wait, maybe this was something we should have rethought. But yet there's still people today, like Mark Zuckerberg, for example, with Facebook, that continue with the platform. And I think there was even a part in the movie when they asked him about something, he dodged the question. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of hemmed and hawed his way out. That Oh, there's so many factors. There's so many Mm -hmm. other things. Mm -hmm. When, in fact, it could have been the question was directed directly towards the influence Facebook itself specifically had. Right. And I think it's, it's just interesting, like they, you know, there's a, there was a conference that many of the employees attended, you know, from the various Facebook, Instagram or whatever, to learn how to manipulate and how to develop the software um, to get people hooked on a daily basis and just drawn back into using um, the platform. And I've, I've, for a long time, um, it's for years it's really bothered me because on one side, if you go to a therapist or if you go to a psychologist and you're struggling in life, a lot of times we have troubles in our life because of a lack of boundaries. Like we're not able to say no to people. We're not able to stand up for ourselves. We're not able to keep the good stuff in and keep the bad stuff out because we're afraid, you know, we don't want to make people mad at us. We, you know, so all this kind of stuff, but there are actual, so there's that side of it that we learn how to be, you know, confident, strong people with boundaries. But then there's this other side that like in like it's been a, um, even before social media, there were conferences to teach you how to get around. I mean, they're out there right now, how to get around somebody's no. So if I say, no, I don't want that product. There's a class to teach that salesman how to get around my no. So they don't accept my no so that I will eventually. And it's the same thing. It's what is, what is my emotion? What is my trigger? What is it that will get me to turn my no into a yes? So, and now technology has taken that same psychology and ramped it up a thousand, you know, degrees so that we kind of don't have, like, we're, we're, we don't even realize that we're being manipulated. And so, but then we go to counseling and we're like, okay, we need to learn how to have our own voice. We need to learn how to say no. We learn how to not put so many things on our plate and, you know, be in control of ourselves. But then, you know, these, this technology is just completely working against us. It's artificial uh, intelligence, right? Yeah. You mentioned the, it's the persuasive technology. And yes. there was a, um, like you said, the conference, I think it was at Stanford University that people would go to. Yes. But, the, but the key buzzword was persuasive yes. technology. How can we use technology to, to persuade people to do something? Right. And it's based, that persuasion totally taps into a person's individual psychology, individual emotions, individual likes and desires. Yeah. And using that persuasive technology, the documentary goes on to talk about one of the, the participants said that we, the people become the marketplace we're the product we're the product yeah yeah, yeah. we're the, we're the, we're the commodity yeah. and so how can we persuade <laughs> the marketplace to do and behave and act how we want them to or mm-hmm. who's paying us to get them to do that mm-hmm. um, one of the key words outside of the persuasive technology that really stuck out was addiction yeah. you know the addiction to it um you know, you would hear at the end of the documentary, several of these people talk about how even though when they would come home from work 
and they worked at these entities, these platforms, they would jump on their phone instead of going with their families and whatever, and they would still be scrolling through the platforms. Right. And they just come home from it. Right. Even though they were the ones creating the addiction, they themselves were addicted to the very thing that they, so they didn't even have power over it, even though they're the ones that turned it on. (laughs) And they were creating it. (laughs) Exactly. The other other thing that was kind of interesting too, when it came to it was that um, the whole idea, the whole concept was the fact that somebody is making money Mm -hmm. based on our change of behavior. So again, that persuasive technology creates a marketplace, which is us. And now we become the product in our behavior change. So, So they want us to change our behavior. So, you know, take anything you want that's been going on in the last few years and maybe even the last year because it's an election year. And it makes you wonder. It makes you think, okay, who's paying for what and how is that changing? Because when we talked about before we started this was that you on your social media are going to see things that I'm not going to see because of interest. Right. I'm going to see things you're not going to see. Right. But there are times where you will see something that gives you a totally different uh, information about a topic. I'll see a topic, the same topic, but I'll get different information. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got information. I've got information. It's two different things. Yeah. And so now we go at it because I'm right, you're right, I'm right, you're right. This is what I read. Well, this is what I read. But the whole thing is now we're seeing two different things, and that's right. causing this root problem of disagreement over a topic because right. it's, it's a change in behavior that yeah. someone's paying for. And, and it's creating the, the, a deeper divide, a deeper polarization in our culture. And I think not only what really surprised me was that not only does that happen, say, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter – especially Facebook, but it also happens in the Google searches that we do. So I can, I can Google, let's say, the history of Germany, and you can Google the history of Germany. We're going to get two different results, and it won't necessarily be the actual history of Germany. <laughs> like, if, if I peddle, I, I don't, but if I peddle in conspiracy theories in general, and then I Google the history of Germany, I'm going to get information about Germany that's probably on along the lines of conspiracy theories. I'm not going to get the real information. So, I mean, I could get to the real information. I'd have to really, you know, dig hard and, um, you know, to kind of go around that. But, but we don't necessarily, based on our everyday behavior and the things that we search for, we don't necessarily get the truth. We get the truth based on our personality, our interests, our um, previous searches. And so it, no wonder there's you, nobody knows what's true anymore. And then I'll say like, oh, I found this. And you're like, well I, well, I didn't see that, but look what I saw. And they're two totally different. And neither one of them may be the actual truth. So here, here's a cut from one of the guys, one of the participants talking about kind of that very thing. He's basically talking about comparing Facebook to Wikipedia to social media, and then a guy comes in at the end and gives an example of uh, searching, like you mentioned, Google searching, climate change, and what might come up. So here's this cut. One of the ways I try to get people to understand just how wrong feeds from places like Facebook are is to think about the Wikipedia When you go to a page, you're seeing the same thing as other people. So it's one of the few things online that we at least hold in common. Now just imagine for a second that Wikipedia said, we're gonna give each person a different customized definition. 
And we're going to be paid by people for that. So Wikipedia would be spying on you. Wikipedia would calculate, what's the thing I can do to get this person to change a little bit on behalf of some commercial interest, right? And then it would change the entry. Can you imagine that? Well, you should be able to, because that's exactly what's happening on Facebook. It's exactly what's happening in your YouTube feed. When you go to Google and type in climate change is, you're going to see different results depending on where you live. In certain cities, you're going to see it autocomplete with climate change is a hoax. In other cases, you're going to see climate change is causing the destruction of nature. And that's a function not of what the truth is about climate change, but about where you happen to be Googling from and the particular things that Google knows about your interests. See, so there you go. The guy right there. And he, he's the guy speaking is one of the guys that is one of the founders of Facebook, one of the first in type guys. Yeah. So scary. Like, I, it's just, it, it makes me mad. Like, do you, are you angry about yeah. this? Well, look, well, yeah, okay, I'm angry think, about, about this. think about, okay, just you and I, because we talk about transparency. And we've had a lot of conversations just this past year and a lot of disagreements. Let's use the masks, for example. Okay. Just because that's kind of been, you're kind of a pro, more pro masker than I am. And, uh, and so if you Google something and you've been watching certain or looking up certain information, then you're going to get information fed to you mm-hmm. based on the previous searches that you had. Yes. And then I've been looking for other information. So maybe I'm looking for information that proves that maybe masks don't work. So I'm going to keep getting fed that. Yes. Okay. Regardless of whether it's true or not, because that's what this guy just said. It doesn't matter if it's right. true or not. I'm just going to get fed that information. Human nature makes us look for things so we can say, oh, see, my point is right. Confirmation bias. Yes. And so you're getting your confirmation bias. I'm getting mine. I'm right. You're wrong. No, I'm right. You're wrong. That's the rift down the middle. Exactly. And in actuality, what's happening is the puppet master, the great and wonderful, powerful Oz is behind the curtain pulling the strings. Right. And we're just all marionette puppets being right. pulled by whatever agenda is out there. They're by making somebody. money on our argument. Exactly. And it doesn't matter because ultimately if you then start to think about it, there'd be some middle ground in there where, okay, masks might work in a certain area, maybe indoors, maybe if you're within six feet, whatever, you know. Or and then maybe in certain areas it doesn't. Or maybe in the state of Wyoming it's unnecessary. Versus California, New York, or places of mass population. You don't get that type of information. You just get A or B. Exactly. And then we have to Black sit Black or there. white, yes. no gray. And we have to no, fight over that. Yeah, no, uh, no context. And so then you've got this great divide. And that's the problem, I think, that has, that's kind of scary. Because you think back, just even with the, the COVID and the mask, how many arguments you might have had with somebody mm-hmm. on social media. Or maybe how much... Uh, you know, friends you might have unfriended, whatever the case may be. And you think, okay, was that really something that would have happened if we had been given the information, the Just truth? Just the straight information yeah, straight either information. way. Yeah. <laughs> because cause the other thing too, I was talking to, in fact, I, I was talking to Kevin Sorbo uh, the other day uh, about some movies that he has coming out and he went off on the, the mass things pretty, pretty big and, and, and stuff because he was like, okay, we first started to believe the World Health Organization and then we started to believe the CDC. And now, because of certain politicians, it doesn't matter who, they have control over their states. They no longer believe or take the advice of the World Health Organization or the CDC because it doesn't fit their narrative. Right. And so then they're spewing out you know, information to try to right. keep their narrative. Right. So, again, there's another example of what is truth. You know, what's the information? Uh, for me, you mentioned Google. So I never do really a Google search. I always go to sources. So, like, I might go to, and I don't know if this is any different or not, but instead of Googling or Yahooing or Binging, 
history of Germany, I will go to like history.com or some specific site. Yeah. So that way I'm not just getting whatever pops up mm-hmm. in the search. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that changes anything because this whole documentary didn't talk about that and the whole search thing didn't talk about it. But YouTube can do that. You type in YouTube and the guy just said, or at least one of the guys said, it will even manipulate your yes. YouTube feed. Yes. So we're always getting manipulated. Yes. I don't like that. And that's, yeah, I mean, that should upset <laughs> I, people. I do not like that at all. Because we're getting played. We are getting played you know? on a daily uh, basis. And so, and so that's the thing that, and so here was another quote or another thing that I got from it. Basically, it was, whatever the quote is, that fake news travels six times faster on Twitter than I the truth. I know, right? So if you're getting, and I've said this before to people, if you're getting your information from, or only relying on information from Twitter or social media, you probably have misinformation mm-hmm. because misinformation is going to spread six times faster through social media than the truth will. Yeah. And I think someone said that. I don't know if I have a cut for it, but someone actually said that, that the truth is boring. Yes. Oh, here, let's play this one. Yes. I think this one talks about uh, a bias towards false information. Yes. So this is it. Yeah, yeah. Let's play that one. We've created a system that, that biases towards false information. Not because we want to, but because false information makes the companies more money than the truth. The truth is boring. It's a disinformation for profit business model. You make money the more you allow unregulated messages to reach anyone for the best price. See, all about money. According to these guys, it's all about money. It's all like the truth is boring. So why give the truth? It doesn't make you any money. Well, I think I think that started out with the tabloids. So I think that model mm-hmm. was kind of yeah, there. This is not new. No, it's not new. Yeah, but it's just more. I could go to the checkout stand at the grocery store. I could see the National Enquirer. Yes, and I could read Jaja Gabor has alien baby. Yes, and I could be like, hmm, I'm not interested. I'm gonna go. Or I could be like, hmm, I'm interested. I'm gonna read it. Whatever. But the choice is there. Mm-hmm. And maybe not everybody goes to the checkout stand that has that exact thing. But if you go onto Twitter or any other social media platform, Zsa, Zsa Gabor has an alien baby. People are going to take that and run into it as if it's gospel yes. or you know some fabrication of that. Yes. And think, oh, wait a minute. Could there be some truth to this? But because at one time the National Enquirer was always deemed as tabloid, not necessarily truth. We're looking at, at uh, outlets that profess or at one time have been truth and have now skirted the issue into this you know, false information. An- another key word that I hate that has come up is fake news. <laughs> now, fake news is just a lie. <laughs> it's just lying is what it is. It's, it's, that's what it's become. You know, could you imagine, you know, so in, in school, little Johnny, you did this? No, I didn't. I did something else. No, Johnny, we have facts. Why did you lie? No, I wasn't lying. I was just giving you fake news. That doesn't fly in any other place, but in the information world, mm-hmm. you know, people lying to us, we just scoff it off as fake news when in fact that fake news is actually used to manipulate us. Right. Yeah, I don't, yeah, and even fake news, it's like, is it really fake news? Are they just saying it's fake news because they don't want to hear the truth? They don't want the truth to be out there? So they're saying, oh, it's just fake news, you know, just a way to instantly discredit something. Yeah, it's, it's and there is a lot of fake news out there. I mean, let's be honest, there is, there is a lot of manipulation, there's a lot of lying going on on purpose, but then there is truth, and then sometimes we don't want to hear the truth, so we're like, oh, it's fake news, and it's like, okay, is it or is it not? And then we don't know anymore, and then we don't believe anything. 
Well, the thing, the other thing that came up that I noticed was that the advertisers are the customers, not the users. So we as users are not the customers of the clients of Google and these platforms. It's, it's the advertisers. And did you, did you notice that quote? The only two industries mm-hmm. on the planet yep. that use the term users are the illegal drugs that call their people users. It's the illegal drug industry and technology. Yep. We're yep. called users. And so that's a, a correlation. Now, again, is that misinformation? <laughs> but no, it's true. We're, you're a user. You know, what's your username? Yeah. What's your password? What's your, you know, and so your username. Oh, now you're a user. So then, okay, so if, if we are users, does that make social media people the pushers? <laughs> that's a very good question. Are they the dealers? That's right. Because they're the ones pushing it on us. Yeah. So if we spin that around... Then if we're the users and that's supposed to be or demonstrate to us some sort of, hey, wake up, you guys are being you know, fed yeah. something, then maybe if we took that to its natural conclusion. They would be the pushers and the dealers. The pushers and the dealers, yeah. which is probably even worse. Yeah. Yeah, um, all for profit, right? Yep. It doesn't matter how we're messing with people's lives. It doesn't matter who's being affected by this so long as... And we're I think, making money. See, I think there was a line in there. Okay, in 2016, everybody thought that uh, Russia influenced and meddled in the election by hacking. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy who was, I guess, 35 years in the documentary, The Social Dilemma, that was an investor in technology for years. Mm-hmm. He said that Russia did not hack. He just used, and I, I had the clip, but then I changed it out because I can only have so many clips on the, on the thing. I changed it out for something better that I thought was more pertinent. But he said that Russia only used Facebook and the parameters that were set up yep. to manipulate information. He Which goes, is what they're doing right now. Exactly. So there wasn't any hacking. There wasn't any they're illegalities. They're just placing ads. They're just... Yeah. He said they were just using... Placing content Yeah. They were using the influence. platform yeah. as it was designed, pretty much. Exactly. And they were just using it for, as he said, nefarious purposes. Yeah. But they weren't, they weren't doing anything illegal or anything. And so that's probably why, when you think about it, when all this stuff came out... You know, about some people in Russia doing something and we're going to, I guess, prosecute them or charge them with something. Well, it was nothing because there was nothing to it because they weren't doing anything nefarious, at least according to the... I mean, they were doing nefarious things, but not illegal, according to this guy. Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder, okay, so if that's on a grand scheme, what are the little things day by day that we're getting fed? Now, you were telling me a story ahead of time about uh, uh, an incident your daughter had when she was... Uh, <laughs> When they were like, had some clothes so or something. So creepy. So creepy. So she comes home one night. And she's like, you are never going to believe what happened. So she's in the car with um, three other friends. So there's four of them. Right. And so they had been out. I don't know what they were doing, but they had been out. And the one girl gets into the car and she has a shopping bag and she pulls out a blouse and um, bottoms. I don't remember. if they, I think they were shorts. A top and shorts. And so the girls in the car, they were like, oh, my gosh, think that's so cute. And my daughter does not remember. She's thinking she must have, but she doesn't remember for sure if any of them mentioned the name of the store. Because it was on the bag, so it's not like they had to repeat the name of the store because they knew where the girl had been. But she can't remember that exact detail. But she does remember saying to her friend, oh, my gosh, I would love to have that outfit, that top and, you know, in those shorts, but she didn't describe the top. She didn't describe the shorts. The girl is just visually holding that in the car and they were, oh, that's so cute. I would love to have that end of conversation, move on to the next topic. Right. 
So as it, so then the next day or later that evening, she opens up Facebook and there's an ad for the exact same top and shorts and the store where to buy that outfit. So she was, you know, like alarmed. So long story short, their phones were listening to the conversation. So your, your phone, like our phone listens to us unless we turn off that mechanism and then it tracked, it looked at the, like, okay, well, she's in the vicinity of this person and like, oh, look, the order is on this phone. Let's just send it to that phone, you know, because they're, it knew all of that. It did all of the work for them. So that, so they were like, ooh, I love that outfit. And then the next time she opens her phone, there's the outfit, buy it here, click here to buy it. Like, it's just, so you're like, we're being so manipulated, um, not only by what the keystrokes that we put in, but the microphone is listening, if we don't turn it off, listening to everything that we say, and it hears us say something about a pizza or an outfit, and lo and behold, it shows up the next time you open your phone. <laughs> well, the, the other thing that I, I wrote down from watching it, they kept referring to the fact that everything is tracked. Yes. Now, now we think it's keystrokes. Or views or likes, but it could be everything. In fact, one of them... Locations. One of them even said that if you get a new... I don't know if it's a, any phone, but maybe it's an Apple product phone. I don't know. But one of the things that people will do for you when you get your new phone is they will activate Facebook for you. Yes. And so, again, right away. And then there's all kinds of features on the apps allowing you to... Uh, so-and-so app wants to uh, access your photos and camera and microphone yep well we think okay so if i'm going to and sometimes we have to in order to do what it is that we're doing like if the location map and we want to say take me here instead of type it in while you're driving like okay well you don't have a choice (laughs) or if you do um some sort of i guess video chat you obviously have to have access to the camera and access to the microphone yep and i guess facebook live okay you have to have access you know a couple couple weeks ago whenever it was a few weeks ago we did a show from el torito in pasadena and we facebook lived uh tried to facebook live them i think uh and so when in order for that to happen we had to have facebook access our stuff so everything that was said everything that we did was being tracked because that's what they say everything (laughs) is tracked It, it came up so much that i actually wrote that down everything is tracked and again, it goes back to that persuasive technology, the conference at Stanford and the persuasive technology of trying to find out how can we get technology to persuade people to change their behavior mm-hmm. and somebody is profiting from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the change in behavior is the product. Yeah. That's the moneymaker. Us. Us. And so, and that's what it is. So, so you think about it. Okay. Um, take anything. I, I was trying to come up with a good example. I don't want to be political because I don't want to be in politics because a, um, everything's misinformation. I don't want to point out one side, but there's too many. Okay. Here was one. Pizzagate. Yeah. Okay. So Pizzagate, apparently, if you're not familiar with it, you order, it, it kind of reminded me before I get into it. Well, well we it, talked about it a couple of shows yeah, ago. I brought up Pizzagate. It, it was, um, cause it was, it was a deep, can't, wasn't it can't buy me, not can't be buy me, buy me love, but it was one of those movies like with, uh, uh, there was a movie, I'll forget, and I forget it off the top of my head. But there was a movie where the guy was a pizza delivery boy. He was the same guy in Can't Buy Me Love, the same guy in Sweet Home Alabama. Um, his name's escaping me now, too. All of a sudden, I'm 
have a mind blank. But anyways, they would order he they would the the moms or the women in town would order a pizza and if they <laughs> added extra anchovy, that meant that they wanted the pizza delivery boy to stay with them for some extracurricular activity. Okay, some adult <laughs> fun. So that's what Pizza Gate reminded me of. If you order a certain pizza This from is this a little place, darker this, and deeper. Yeah, this is pizza darker and deeper. Was- but if you order a pizza in the Pizza Gate theory you were then, and depending on what you ordered, you were actually ordering a child, sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. I think then it became also Wayfair. Remember the Wayfair storage cabinet thing? If you order a certain, the Wayfair storage cabinets had names to them, and so they were a certain size, and so if you ordered a Wayfair cabinet, then you were ordering a kid in sex trafficking or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so those are two things that, to me, whether true or not, it sounds ridiculous, but we also well, live- they've been pr- the Pizza Gate. I mean, they proved that 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 was not yeah, that, that was wrong. That it was a, yeah, it was a conspiracy theory, and they they proved it in, in multiple um, but the in multiple things. Spread. But but yes, they because it's false information, and so it spread, and so it triggered the guy to take an, a, a rifle into this pizza um, restaurant, go into the back, actually looking for kids that were being. Um, held in a storage area and sex trafficked. And of course, when he went in there, there were no kids because it wasn't real. But just the fact that it caused him to this, this conspiracy theory and this disinformation caused him such a reaction. He had a wife and kids and yet he drove across state lines to go stop something that wasn't even true. So at what point, so the power of that is just, um, you know, so at what point then, does it come down to, okay, so we're the user, okay, we're the product, we're the ones that are manipulated, we're the ones that people want our behavior to change. So at what point then does it come to the point where we have to use our common sense, basically use our brain to figure out what could potentially be true, what could potentially not be true, especially when it comes to things that might be as sensational as something like a pizza gate again because it reminds me about the mcmartin preschool and again this was a mcmartin preschool was a case in the 1980s where some mom accused the preschool of uh having a sexual assault of kids but then it turned out to be there was demon worshiping child sacrifice there were dungeons (laughs) under the preschool there was all i mean it got nutty and then therapists started to talk to the kids and they were getting the same information because other parents were inquiring about their kids. And this thing went off the rails. I mean, this thing was like crazy that there was all kinds of child sacrifice going on. Okay, well, no kids were gone, missing. Right. Where was the child sacrifice? They came in and they did all kinds of uh, scouring the place for these dungeons. There was none. And so, but it still went to trial. And they got off. They were, they were not guilty because there was nothing. It ruined their lives. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out that the mom who started the whole thing was schizophrenic. Oh, jeez. And she dreamt it up, basically. Okay. Now, at what point along the way in this whole case, and this is not, this is before the internet. So, again, the, psych, the psyche, the psychology of being manipulated is still there because of press reports and what people are saying. But at what point do you sit there and say, okay, you know what? Child sacrifice. Well, there's no kids going missing. Everybody has their kid. Okay, we have to dismiss that. Right. So at what point do we start to use our logic and start to use our common sense and our reason to think through these things and be like, okay, what is the likelihood that something could be true or not true? You know, when do we start like 
instead of just taking, I mean, six times faster. Right. False information, six times. Right. At what point do you sit there and realize hmm, maybe that's not true? There was a um, I, there was a study, and I don't have it um, in front of me. I can't quote it, so um, take it with a grain of salt. But we, it, it goes back to that confirmation bias. Like if we are a person of fear or if we're a person that's not really connected to a lot of things, sometimes these things makes us feel like we have a voice or sometimes it makes us feel like we belong to something. And so even if it's crazy, even if it's not true, we have a tendency to cling on to things um, simply because it's a place of us to feel like we have a voice and that someone is, um, we have like a community somewhere and someone's fighting for us, someone's fighting against the evil in the world. And so I think that takes it back to, I know this is going to sound like corny and trite, but if you've watched or listened to any of our other podcasts, um, it will not sound so weird. But um, as a follower of Jesus, like I depend, there's a verse in James 1, 5 that says, you know, ask for wisdom as much as you want and I will give it to you liberally because we don't know. And I'm constantly, and I hate to say right now that I'm a Christian because I hate the way Christians are acting right now. Um, I think Christianity is going off the rails in a lot of ways. Um, I don't subscribe to um, the craziness going on right now, or I don't, and I'm not a Trump fan. Um, but I do follow Jesus, and and I do believe in the Bible. And to me, that is the only way to get my wisdom because. It's like, okay, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know where to look or not. I don't know what to believe or not. Um, everything is just crazy right now. And so I tap into that higher, you know, authority because God sees everything, knows everything, knows the past, present, and future. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got nothing. It's crazy town down here. So help me out here. And that's kind of, for lack of a better explanation, that's kind of how I handle a lot of this stuff because I don't I don't go digging deep into things um sometimes I do and sometimes I don't but like you said it's just like not logical a lot of we just don't use our brains it's just, a lot of this stuff is just not logical if you start multiplying it out to the to its conclusion it's like okay if there's no kids going missing then who's being sacrificed okay if there's no like it just doesn't make sense but we're so you know we're so adamant to believe things and that just makes me wonder like well what is it the rest in our life that would cause us to go down so it's just crazy some of the things and some of the people who I think are solid people have been sending me like junk stories like conspiracy theories and 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 things that are just really out there I'm like what like where is your where did your brain go <laughs> well see that's that's the thing too it's 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 playing on our biases it's playing on yes. our emotions yes okay um well two things one you always talk about looking at it from a macro versus a micro yes. perspective so again in some of these things if you look at it from a macro above and looking down on the whole big picture yeah yeah it makes might, more you sense you might have a better idea so right. you could take anything you could take the election process you could take a story like the McMartin preschool you could take uh, a story like the duke lacrosse uh, rape scandal, mm -hmm. uh, and that's another documentary. If you want to watch something that's really good, that kind of plays on this type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it was about the the, the Duke lacrosse uh, team that was accused of rape, pretty much, and it turned out to be a falsehood. Um, but you can look at any of these things. They play on our biases. They play on our emotions, yep. and it affects 
us from the standpoint of our experience, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you, mm-hmm. for example, uh, let's take Brett Kavanaugh, okay? So if you were a victim of sexual assault, you might be more apt to believe that the accusations against him might be true mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody who might not. Mm-hmm. That's the case in the Duke lacrosse case. The lady from the Boston Herald or whatever paper she was from, she jumped on the bandwagon and said they must be guilty. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the documentary, she had to apologize for that. And she said the reason why she thought was because she had been assaulted as a woman. And so she, her biases were playing on her. Yeah writing the stories yeah. and stuff. So, so I think it's I think it's both sides. I think you're hundred percent correct in that. And I think there's the other side that um that we ourselves when we have a story to tell or when we have a narrative, we don't tell the truth. And so, you know, case in point, you know, I hate um when Clinton he's like, I did not have sex with that woman. Like we just don't tell the truth. We we create a story for ourselves that um based on how we want people to feel about us or how we want people to um, view us as opposed to what the real truth is. So I think it goes both ways is that we perceive things based on our own experiences, but then we also tell the story based on how we want people to perceive us. Neither one of them are accurate. (laughs) And so there's just all this craziness going on everywhere. And and then we just don't know what to believe. Well, we're still also, you know, like you said, okay, if you don't want the truth to come out, you are still spreading then that misinformation to dodge right, the truth. Exactly. And so again, the fact that social media does it, they do it because they're, like they said in the social dilemma documentary, they're preying on the vulnerability of the human psyche. Yeah. Okay. Well, what we do sometimes is we do that not preying on the vulnerability but to avoid the truth to avoid getting caught exactly so the idea and i think that's what makes it susceptible for us through social media and online is because it happens in real life anyways and so it's nothing different it's not like all of a sudden out of the blue oh the sky oh that the sun is now green yeah like it catches off guard it's like oh the sun is green no it's been going on and on. We've been having this misinformation going on for years and years and years. I mean, you know, the CIA. I mean, aliens. Yep. I mean, pick any story that you yep. want out there. There's been a lot of misinformation about it to so try true. to deceive people from the truth. All we're doing now is taking it, putting it onto a social media platform. We are now still using that same technique to you know, pull the wool over the eyes of people. Mm-hmm. But the only difference is instead of covering up something, the truth... We're making money off of it, True. and we're making billions. And we're doing it on purpose, and because, on purpose. because now we know that we can do it for profit. Because yeah. you take the example, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky, which is you know infamous now. He was trying to cover up the fact that he was doing that. But if someone else came out and said, and we had social media back then, and said, oh, President Clinton did this, he had sexual relations with that woman, that could be misinformation instead of the truth. And so the point being is that I think that's the difference. Someone else is pushing the misinformation mm-hmm. versus covering up a truth, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just makes one big um, crazy town for all of us, and we get to the point that we don't know what to believe. Um, when people are telling the truth, we think they're lying. When they're lying, you know, we think they're telling the, – like, we just don't know anymore. And it, I think it's just – it's it is ruining our – culture it's ruining our society it's ruining our democracy it's ruining and it's not just us I mean, it's happening all around the world in all 
countries. Well, it's the old propaganda. I mean, you can go back to, you mentioned Germany. You know, I did a, uh, uh, another paper, I think it was my master's thesis, on the history of German propaganda mm-hmm. during World War II, or mm-hmm. prior to World War II, mm-hmm. and was it actually art? Because they played it off as art versus propaganda and false information. Right. So again, it's been going on forever. We're just now in a digital age where one click of the, of the keystroke could affect millions of people mm-hmm. and that's purposeful yes. it's intentful yes and it has ramifications beyond yes. just you know spreading misinformation beyond people making billions and billions of dollars and it could go on to cost people's lives which is what we're going to do in the next hour or part two of this we're going to get into a more serious side of what social media can be and the serious side and serious ramifications of what happens if we give social media too much control I like that for a tease. <laughs> that was a really good tease. <laughs> so that is coming up next. So uh, stay tuned for that. It'll be part two of this uh, coming out the following week after this one. And so uh, stay tuned for part two, which is coming up. But until then, for the end of part one, hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Check us out on Instagram at Two Steps Ahead Podcast, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Click the link in the bio, and there's all kinds of information there on where to watch and where to listen to us. You can find me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, at Edom Rocks, and they can find you on social media where? I am at Tara Hoke Shiro, T-A-R-A-H-O-K-E-S-C-H-I-R-O on Instagram and Facebook. And I also have a website, TaraShiro.com. Don't uh, be influenced. <laughs> by yeah, the don't influencers. be influenced, but go to our... <laughs> don't be influenced, but, <laughs> but go, go listen to, to our us. page. Because <laughs> we don't have misinformation. We're actually playing you clips <laughs> to prove what we're saying. Hey, uh, oh. take your passion, make it happen. Let yourself be great. <laughs> be kind. Don't be an a-hole. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Take care.